0: Welcome, everyone. I have Eric James Stone with me today. Uh, He's a science fiction author. Eric, why don't you give the audience a bit about your background in bio?
1: Yeah, um, well, uh, I've had over 50 short stories uh, published in various magazines, uh, uh, including analog science fiction and uh, the uh, scientific journal Nature, In fact, according to the scientific journal Nature, I am the author of the greatest science fiction story ever written. That was the title of the story of mine they published. (laughs) Um, I won a Nebula Award for a novelette uh, back in 2011. um, And uh, my first novel came out from Bain uh, a few years ago. I've had um, two collections of short stories published. Um, and I'm currently serializing a, an epic fantasy novel on Kindle Vella.
0: And, and where can people check that out?
1: Um, basically by going to, uh, to the Kindle Vela uh, store and searching for Eric James Stone.
0: Okay. And, and then who would you say are your, uh, well, let me step back. How did you get into the whole writing game?
1: Yeah, well, it goes back to um, when I was growing up. My dad had a, a large collection of science fiction and fantasy anthologies, um, and uh, so I read a lot of short fiction um, growing up. Uh, one, one in particular uh, was a collection uh, called "The Early Asimov" uh, mm-hmm. that had a bunch of. Asimov's early science fiction stories. And in between, he kind of talked about his life and what was going on when he wrote the story and stuff like that. Um, and that was the first time that I kind of thought, hey, it would be sort of cool to, to be a writer. Um, and uh, so I took some creative writing classes in college. Um, I was lucky in that uh, the creative writing teachers at BYU uh, at that time did not object to my putting a science fiction or fantasy spin on things when I wrote them. Um, And uh, so I I wrote some stories and um, I I took the best one of the stories I'd written and uh, sent it out uh, and it got rejected and I sent it out again and it got rejected And I said, "Ah, I guess I'm not cut out to be a writer. And I gave up on writing for 10 years, um, which I always tell people was my big mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, so then uh, in 2002, all of a sudden, I had this urge to write an epic fantasy novel. and so I started working on that, and I decided to, to help myself with accountability and stuff like that, that I would take a creative writing class. So I took a community education class on creative writing. Um, and the the teacher said, hey, well, while you're working on your novel, have you thought about writing some, some short stories to get your name out there? And um, I... Uh, said, no, I haven't thought of that, about that. So I took one of my class writing assignments, uh, expanded it, polished it up, sent it out, uh, got a rejection from analog on it, but mm-hmm. it was, uh, uh, you know, an encouraging rejection. And uh, I sent it to the Writers of the Future contest, and it ended up being a finalist and then a published finalist. Um, and that was my first publication, uh, and then from, from then on, I started selling pretty consistently, uh, and, um, yeah, and so now that, that epic fantasy novel that I, I started off, that started off me on the, the path of writing again, uh, that's what I'm serializing on Kindle Bella now. It's called Air of the Line,
0: and, and can you tell us a little bit more about um, you know what that's about you know in terms of the setting background, et cetera?
1: Yeah, it's uh, um, basically it's about uh, a young man who uh, want, all he wants to do is be a protector of the line to protect the the, the king who who is actually his also his best friend. Um, they were born on the same day when the castle was attacked. And uh, so he's grown up w- wanting all his life to, to protect the, the king um, who was born partially paralyzed because of what happened during the attack. Um, and so and then he's he's going to have to help with, you know, a, a regent who's plotting against the, the king and uh, various things and uh, you know uh, ultimately uh the the characters are going to have to face off against the high priestess of the dark god um and uh so that's you know it's a, I, I, I will I will say it's a pretty typical epic fantasy <laughs> so it's it's got a lot of the the tropes in there that will be familiar to people I hope I put my own spin on some of them uh but uh yeah so Uh, that's what that is
0: Uh, and then how many uh, you you said it was serial serialized how many what do you call them episodes episodes yeah Uh, there are going to be 65 episodes and where are you right now so that people Uh, have an idea
1: 23 of them have been released so far and all of them are written so you know there's no (laughs) worry that it's going to get left off part way without ever finishing so the, the whole story is written
0: yeah, I won't I can think of two people off the top of my head, but I won't say any names. That, uh... <laughs> all right. So that so the good news is while it hasn't been released, it is done and you're not going to leave anyone hanging or waiting right for the next installment.
1: Well, they, they well, have that's... to wait for the next installment. Uh, but I'm I'm releasing three installments per week.
0: Okay. Well, when I say waiting, I, I mean like yeah. um, it, Waiting with no, you know, with no end in sight, right? There's an there's an end in sight. It's just they have to, to kind of get through everything and and uh, and and wait until it's released. Um, in terms of your influences, who would you consider your um, primarily primary writing influences? It sounds like Asimov is probably one of them.
1: Yes, Asimov was definitely one of them. Um, uh, Orson Scott Card. Uh, has been a, a major mentor to me. Um, I took his his uh, writing workshop uh, and uh, learned a ton there back before I was even published. Um, and uh, he he had asked me to be an assistant editor on his uh, online magazine, Intergalactic Medicine Show, which uh, I I did that for five years. Um, and uh, learned a lot during that time as well. Um, another mentor was the uh, late uh, Dave Wolverton. Um, he, uh, I took a novel writing workshop from him. And uh, at that point I had been writing two years and had written 50,000 words on the epic fantasy. Um, he made me write an outline for it. I'd kind of had an outline in my head kind of thing, uh, but he, he made me write an, uh, an outline for it. I wrote an 11,000 word chapter by chapter outline mm-hmm. for the whole novel. Um, and after that, it took me nine months to write 100,000 more words and finish it. So it, uh, it really improved my productivity to, to outline. And so when time came for writing my next novel, um, I knew I had to outline it, um, and so I uh, I outlined my novel that came out from Bain, Unforgettable, um, and wrote the first draft of it over the course of three months. Yeah. Uh, it was only 60-some-odd thousand words. It, uh, uh, so I, I ended up taking a few years to revise and expand it uh, before it finally got uh, got picked up. But
0: yeah. So I, I know some people consider themselves pantsers. Some are outliners. Uh, I, I actually did went through the same exercise at the end of last year. And I, you know, in a month I wrote about half a novels because it's just, you're not left wondering like what happens next. And, uh, and I think that may be more, you know, it may be effective for short stories because there's not that much that can happen. But, um, I, and this is, I think, a personal preference thing, but I think you're really rolling the dice if you kind of fly, fly blind. But it sounds like you, you may have some, I guess, what they call pantser tendencies. Would you consider yourself a pantser or an outliner?
1: Um, with short fiction, I'd say probably half the time I know the ending before I start writing. And half the time I kind of discover the ending. Sometimes I know the ending and then discover that it's not the right ending. Um, so so um, but uh, yeah, and, uh, another, uh, another influence, uh, uh, major influence and mentor is Kevin J. Anderson, um, mm-hmm. who, uh, who invite, you know, have, after he got to know me through Writers of the Future, he invited me to an, an anthology. Um, I did a good job on that, so he invited me to more, um, and so he and and just his his career advice in general has been phenomenal.
0: Any other influences?
1: Um, interestingly enough, Jane Austen. Um, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> uh, I somehow managed to avoid reading Jane Austen uh, in high school and college. Uh, so mm-hmm. it wasn't until quite a bit later um, that I actually started reading Jane Austen. Um, interestingly enough, because of the movie Clueless, uh, I decided to see, see what it was, you know, uh, read the the original source material. <laughs> uh, and so I read Persuasion and uh, and then pretty much uh, I, I've, I've read every, all of her novels now. Um, and, uh, it's, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It just, uh, something about the, the interplay between the characters and stuff like that. Um, I just found, uh, fascinating and I, you know, I try to have similar sorts of interplays between my characters when I'm writing.
0: now what contemporary authors do you enjoy reading today
1: um brandon sanderson number 1 and i i should mention uh, i'm in brandon's writing group uh so uh i i get a lot of feedback from him on on my writing and so he's someone else who's really been very helpful uh, uh to my writing um and uh Uh, I I really enjoyed Mary Robinette Kowal's stuff, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, both her her science fiction and her fantasy. Um, uh, uh, Andy Weir, of course, Uh, you know, I absolutely love The Martian and um, I'm drawing a blank on his latest one, Uh, 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 Project Hail Mary. Um, and let's see, other, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Larry Correa's work, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, Adrian Tchaikovsky, uh, his Children of Time, uh, uh, novel is one of my absolute favorites, um, uh, those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head right now. Um, I oh, I just finished listening to Ken Yu's third novel in his uh Dandelion Dynasty series. Uh and it was fantastic, uh, as always. Uh, I've I've been a, a fan of Ken's uh almost since the beginning of his career uh and uh i'm i i just anything he writes i'm a fan of all
0: right yeah so i would i would encourage everyone listening to this or watching the show to to check out all those authors because there's a lot of a lot of uh like in terms of the the styles and they're they're all very different styles too i think yeah so um let's talk a little bit about uh weird world war three and weird world war four. You have stories in both um, weird world war three. You want to talk about that story first um, sure. without giving away too much. Yeah. But what, what, before, before you start one thing, I really liked about both stories is you really kind of um, get into the kind of cold war mindset, even, even in, the weird world war four story, you kind of got into that mindset, even though it happens after kind of a, uh, you know, uh, world war war. (laughs) three. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, 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 and you tie it nicely. There's always a very strong linkage to actual historical events. Like you, you're able to depth deftly kind of knit together your future with the actual historical past. So, you know, if you could tell the audience a little bit about first your World War III story and then the, the, the one that's coming out next week.
1: Yeah, uh, so for World War III, um, uh, basically, I, I decided, well, what if the U.S. Uh, and the Soviet Union had carried out a, a war by assassination where they were assassinating each other's leaders rather, uh, directly rather than a you know, war with armies um uh and so that, that was the initial concept i came up with um and uh you know i sent that pitch to you and you said okay but what's the weird part right. and <laughs> and so so i was like well uh and then i i thought of uh you know the, the old cia psychic programs mk ultra and stuff like that and i, I was like well what if they Decided to to try to psychically assassinate people.
0: Um, By the way, the Soviets did try to do exactly that. But so, we'll uh, that.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so that that's uh, um, that was the genesis of the story idea, and I I have to say I did a ton of research into okay, well, if this person gets assassinated, who would be you know who would become president? Who was likely to become president in the next election? you know, and, and things like that. And on the Soviet side, okay. So if Khrushchev gets killed, who because who comes next? If Brezhnev gets killed, who comes next and stuff like that. Um, and you know, so I, I spent, uh, you know, a lot of time going down that rabbit hole. Um, but I, I think I, you know, did a pretty good job of portraying what that actually. Uh, it's that, definitely it, that
0: that was one of the more intriguing parts of the story. Like I, I really enjoyed that.
1: Um, so so yeah, and uh, the then you know the 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 whole idea of being able to see these you know the conversations in the White House about assassinations um, and having a psychic being the one seeing them that basically once I had that, the whole story just kind of fell into place. Um, so and then for weird World War IV, you know, I had to decide what weird what the, what the World War Three had been, um, and I came up with the the idea that during the you know when the Soviet Union was was collapsing, that uh, someone you know started a, a nuclear war, um, and uh, uh, and so so that's the you know the, the World War Three part. And then for, for the World War IV thing, I, I thought, well, what if you know Europe's been partially depopulated? What if the Neanderthals who have been living underground for 40,000 years decide now it's time to come back out? Um, and uh, one, of the <clears throat> one of the historical incidents that I remembered uh, was that there were astronauts on the, actually just one astronaut on the Mir space station when the Soviet Union fell, um, and I thought, well, what if, you know, there was an astronaut up there who sees the, you know, World War III happening? Basically, he he sees from from the space station the the nukes going off and stuff like that, and he's he's able to return uh, to to Earth uh, in the aftermath. Um, But I decided to make him one of my my characters. And Mm -hmm. uh, weirdly enough, it wasn't until after I had finished the story that I realized that I had written an astronaut versus caveman story. Um, I I don't know if you're familiar with the the question of who would win in a fight, an astronaut (laughs) or a caveman. on the tv show angel two of the characters engaged in a very heated argument over uh who would win uh, on that and uh so uh it was that was probably in the back of my mind but didn't didn't come to the front of the mind until after i'd actually written the story
0: well you definitely get the answer
1: yes yes (laughs) um so uh uh, so yeah and so uh, basically uh i made the choice to tell the story entirely from the point of view of a neanderthal scholar who is uh part of the war effort um and uh i also had to do some uh, you know research into nuclear physics and things like that uh for for the story
0: yeah i thought it was a great I, i even i appreciated the way that you had created the neanderthal culture including like linguistic patterns that are you know different and i i thought like the world building for you know it's still just a short story but i thought that it was exceptional world building and it was very different right um and then not only that uh with all the complexity that's layered in you can still tell the story or you can you can kind of in one sentence, explain what the story is about without giving too much away. Yeah. So I thought that was that was um, you know some so pretty good stuff. Um, what sort of advice would you give to new writers who are you know starting to submit and 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 trying to get things published?
1: Well, first off, don't give up after two submissions. Uh, uh, basically. Um, I mean, one of the the things I decided to do uh, was to make it a goal to submit to the Writers of the Future contest uh, every quarter until I either won or had so many pro sales that I could no longer enter the the contest. Mm -hmm. Um, For those who aren't familiar with it, it's a contest for new writers. Um, uh, Because either of those outcomes uh, is a good outcome. You know, either I win the contest or I've made pro sales. You know, so um, uh, yeah. So uh, that that would be uh, one
0: major piece of advice. Yeah, yeah, if you could tell the audience a little bit more about the contest and and why they should enter. Um, just yeah, the, the contest, familiar, right? yeah, the the contest.
1: Yeah, the the contest is for for new writers, so you can't have had more than three or four published. Professionally published short stories, um, and you can't have published a novel. Um, but uh, if you, you get prize money, plus they pay you a pro rate for your story to include it in the anthology, if you're one of the, the three quarterly winners. Um, and the, the four first place winners from, from the quarters in the year are all up for a grand prize of $5,000. Um, my wife actually won that a few years ago, um, so she's got a much bigger trophy than I do because I was only second place in my quarter. Um, and uh, so then they fly you out to LA for a week-long writer's workshop and awards ceremony. Um, the uh, the new uh, uh, David Wilberton, Dave, Dave Farland was the uh coordinating judge but he passed away and so they just announced the new coordinating judge is jody lynn nye um and so she and tim powers will be r- running the workshops going forward um and all in all it's a, a, a you know you get paid you get uh, you know frankly nobody ever pays as much attention to to a short story you've written you know i uh, 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 you know even when i won nebula it wasn't as big you know they didn't make as big a fuss about it as, as the, the Writers of the Future award ceremony. Um, and uh, the networking there uh, you know, with the, you know, your, the other winners and with the judges and stuff like that uh, is invaluable.
0: And then how can people enter the contest?
1: Um, go to writersofthefuture.com. They've got submission guidelines uh, and a place to upload your entry. Um, you can enter year round. There are four quarterly deadlines, um, but you can submit, you know, upload any pretty much
0: any time. Any last words for writers or your fans or anything like that before we go to the next topic?
1: Yeah. Uh, write what you're passionate about.
0: Um,
1: the, those are the things that, uh, you know, the, the, your passion comes through in your writing. And, uh, and so I, I, I feel like that m- makes the story more impactful.
0: All right. Uh, well, thank you. And uh, we're going to move on to the next topic. Uh...